All right, Christ Community Church, this morning we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, thir uh, chapter 13, verse 11, and chapter 16, verse 8, as we look at uh, what, is it, what does it mean to work wisely, uh, to, to work heartily unto the Lord. And so as we look at these passages, we want to keep in mind the things that the Lord has gifted us and called us to and, uh, and to grow in this area. So the key truth that I want us to walk away with this morning is this, is that wise work is defined by diligence and patience for the glory of God, as well as righteous conduct and practices for the good of those worked for and served. Let me read that again. Wise work is defined by diligence and patience for the glory of God, as well as righteous conduct and practices for the good of those worked for and served. If you would give your attention to the reading of God's word, we'll start with Proverbs 10, 4. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever, whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenue with injustice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we have done all throughout this series, we want to take a look at the person and work of Christ in terms of wise working. Now, we don't have a lot of, of examples in terms of his service as a carpenter. We do know that he was willing to use his hands. It was something that was probably handed down from Joseph, a, a trade that he would have learned from his earthly father. And so uh, we don't know exactly how he did what he did. We could make some assumptions, but the place where we would want to look is how he worked for our redemption. Notice uh, how diligent and patient he was to the glory of God with the various things that he was called to do. Notice how he was, he was willing to go out of his way for the Samaritan woman at the well. Notice that he was willing to serve those as a tender shepherd who kept coming. Notice his tender care for and concern for those who were weary and in need of rest or hungry and in need of food. Um, and notice also how he was, he was righteous, just, and equitable in all of the things he, he did for our redemption. He was without sin. He was perfect and how he so faithfully continued and served during his earthly ministry so that we would be granted his righteousness, so that we would be granted the wisdom of God which he embodied, so that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was wise in the way that he worked for our salvation. And that should be deeply encouraging to us and help us to see that our work, if, if it's only focused on the temporary, if it doesn't have uh, an internal perspective in some measure, it fails to look like Jesus. It fails to recognize that what we do here actually does matter in eternity. How we do what we do sometimes sets the table for being able to witness to coworkers or those that we work for or those that we serve. Uh, and so there are many ways in which how we do what we do heartily unto the Lord actually has an impact on eternity in some form or fashion. And so listen to what Charles Bridges says, and I think it's important for us to remember, we, we've talked about this previously in a sermon series a couple of years ago where we talked about that we are actually designed 
for work. Uh, too often, I think that we see work as a result of the fall. No, work is not a result of the fall. Work is a result of us being created in the image of God. The futility of work, the frustration of work, is the result of the fall. So Charles Bridges helps us to kind of helps us to remember this. He says industry or work was the law of paradise. See, Adam and Eve were created to work. They were to work, tend the garden. They were to extend its boundaries. They were to use their dominion to evidence the glory and the sovereignty and the goodness of God. And he goes on to say, and although it now bears the stamp of the fall, it is still a blessing and under God's providence brings wealth. Now I want to be careful with that word, especially in our culture. This isn't about wealth in terms of, Charles Bridges would not be saying wealth in terms of us becoming rich and having way more than we could ever need. He's using wealth in terms of the, the promised provision of God. See, it is a wealth because really it comes from God. It is a gift to us. Yes, we participate. Yes, we are included in that, but it ultimately is God's to give according to his timing and according to his will. And so he would not be using that term uh, in a way that sometimes I think gets tangled up in our culture. So as we turn and look at Proverbs 10, 4, and 13, and 11 together, let's look at how diligent work pays off and fast cash vanishes quickly. Again, let's look at Proverbs 10, 4. A slack hand causes poverty. Let me pause and remind you that throughout the book of Proverbs, there's a number of characters that help us to understand the difference between wisdom and foolishness. And one of those characters you may remember is one called the sluggard. And the sluggard was known for looking kind of like a slug, just laying about, not doing very much, not moving very quickly. And so a slack hand would be a foolish aspect of the sluggard, the person who doesn't uh, actually involve themselves in the work that God has designed them for and gifted them for. Instead, this person expects for someone else to take care of them, for someone else to do the work and them reap the benefits. Instead of recognizing the great gift that it is to be invited into doing good work in this world for the glory of God. And so many of us have probably experienced at various points in our lives the results of this. They're painful. You, you get, you reap what you sow. And if you reap slackness, you will, or you sow slackness, you will reap slackness. You don't get much in return. And even in the New Testament, Paul has a, a very strong admonition that I'm afraid we've twisted at times, but it's, it, it's a truity that if you don't work and you have the capacity to, and you're gifted to, then you shouldn't benefit from what others do. You shouldn't eat. And one of the reasons that he says that, as harsh as that sounds, it is, it's actually undignifying. It is inhumane not to participate in, in the things that the Lord has called us to. It is inhumane, actually, and undignifying to benefit from others when you have the capacity to contribute. And so, uh, Paul speaks strongly because of how powerful and, and destructive this kind of thing can be. And notice the alternative. He says, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So diligence means perseverance, long-suffering, and actually means to be firmly, to be diligent is to be firmly rooted in something other than what's the immediate context. 
that you have a greater truth on which you stand than what's immediately available, meaning that, that we are rooted in the fear of the Lord. And we know that God has promised to provide for his people. And so as we are diligent in the work that he's given to us, as we are diligent to display his character in this world, and, and do remember his, his display of work, he, he, he created, he was creative, he sustained, he protected, he provided, and he brought all the way to fruition. So as we work and are diligent, these things should be aspects of our work. Now, some of us are more creative than others. Some of us are better at sustaining than creating. Some of us are better at protecting. Some of us are better at uh, providing in, in particular ways. Some of us are better at, at finishing, bringing things to fruition. And this is also why we need multiple people with multiple gifts to be participating in any given field. And this is why Christians should have the highest view of work of anybody on the planet, because it is, it is reflective of God's image, and we recognize that it actually does have eternal implications. Maybe the thing that you make or the, the, the service that you provide, maybe that doesn't necessarily show up in eternity, but how you did it and how people paid attention to it uh, and, and how it affected them in terms of drawing them closer to God because we do value these things, because we do recognize that how we do what we do evidences our love for God and our love for neighbor. Well, that can have eternal implications. Again, from my time working as a physical therapist, it was astonishing to me how much attention people paid. We, I was part of a large organization uh, and, and, and there were people throughout the building that I would have very little interaction with and I saw other people have very little interaction with, but they had strong opinions often about work ethic. And they had strong opinions about how we treated people and then what that was reflective of as far as our character was concerned. And, and good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, they could only go on the evidence that was given based on how I did what I did and others did what they did. And so uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a very eye-opening experience to me that, that this does, it matters, that we are diligent to do what we do. Now, again, we have to be careful in our culture to not, not read this as uh, something that can be used for the prosperity gospel. That if I, if I work hard, then I'll, I'll get rich. That then, then God has to bless it so many times over, right? Well, sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. The true riches here is to know that you are bearing the image of God. That actually should be a motivating factor for us. And that what we are doing, God can, in his uh, redemptive power, his supernatural power can transform and use for the eternal purposes of those around us. That is the true riches that we receive and that we get to join in the work that God is doing in this world. That should be rich riches to us, right? That, that we are actually doing something wisely. And so it's very important that we recognize that this is not simple math. God apportions and gives according to his wisdom, his will, his timing, his understanding, right? There are times when these, it, it doesn't give a timetable as to when these supposed riches will come. It, and again, we recognize that from other places in scripture, say Psalm 73, where the psalmist is wrestling with, hey, the wicked actually prosper. The wicked actually 
work and receive uh, riches, uh, earthly riches for what they do. And, and the psalmist really wrestles with these things. So the, the, the issue is not ever on the temporal plane solely. It really is ultimately to be seen in terms of spiritual good. Now, there are times where the Lord does entrust. He entrusts in such a way physically uh, in this world that, that as Paul tells Timothy, you got to tell, tell the rich to be careful. Remember where what they have came from and don't forget the poor. So people are often entrusted with earthly riches for the work that they do, and amen. And oftentimes we are the recipients of the blessing of that. For others, they're, they're given less to work with. And again, remember, the, the, in Scripture, the, the precedent is to whom much is given, much is required. This is true of earthly riches. This is true of our talents and gifts. This is true of the work that is given to us. And so listen to what David Atkinson says about this. This is a, a, a great quote in this regard. He says, why is work important? Not because by working harder, we will get richer. There is no simple equation between hard work and wealth. We work essentially because we have been given gifts to creatively use in God's world. Work is our human activity, which corresponds to the work of God in his providential care for the whole created order. Now, it's not only that we are to be diligent and, and recognize that that is not simple math, but as Proverbs 13, 11 tells us, we are also to be patient. Um, and, then, and listen to what it says. It says, wealth gained hastily will dwindle. And again, hastily indicates that, that, that it's gained foolishly, that it's gained without any sense of uh, righteousness, justice, and equity any sense of the long-term implications, hastily gained things are focused only on the moment and are often selfish. Another way to put it is just foolish. And so you have the two ends of the spectrum. You have the sluggard who sits around and does nothing and expects to receive. And then you have the other person who works actually really hard, really fast, but in a temper with a temporary focus and a selfish focus. Both ends of those spectrums are foolish. And again, here, this person who's wise is going to sound a lot like what we heard from 13.4. He says, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. And again, that little by little is not just technique, it's heart, right? That's all throughout this series. We, we, we need to be careful that we recognize these are not techniques that, that can fix these things. It has to begin with the heart and then out of that heart to use wise, the wise leading and guiding of the Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the example of Jesus Christ that we would then be obedient and, and, and go forth serving, loving God and loving our neighbor with the various aspects we've been talking about. So this is a heart issue. This is not that you're like, okay, I'll just, I'll be diligent and faithful and I'll work slow and that's got it, right? No. No, the heart has to be that the work that you do will glorify God and bless those you work for and those you serve and ultimately bless you and your family as well as a result of that. So this gathering little by little is to recognize the necessity for patience and the, and the willingness to seek the Lord and make sure that what you are doing honors and glorifies Him and is what He has called you to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the governing principle. And so uh, we would be mistaken if we saw this just as merely technique. And so here's, here's a question that I have for us. What has been the fruit of your diligence and patience in work 
And that would be a bad question if that we didn't also make sure that firmly founded in that based on your fear of the Lord, right? That, you, that because of your heart and desire to glorify the Lord, how have these things actually borne fruit as you, as you were seeking to be obedient to Him? We should be able to answer this question in some form or fashion. And if not, take heart. If the next question is more apt for you, it's an opportunity to repent. It's an opportunity to be restored in Christ. It's an opportunity to go forward in wisdom according to Scripture. But what has been the fruit of slackness or rushed and selfish work? The result for me in the past has been not good results, nothing that lasted, nothing that I would want to put on a resume, nobody that I would want to have as a reference from those circumstances, uh, and just guilt and shame oftentimes is the result. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go forward in a good way. It doesn't represent in a way that we, we would be um, humbled to have other people witness and know. And so we've got to ask this question of ourselves first, remembering it's not about technique. It's about the heart and the heart that isn't transformed in the person, by the person and work of Christ and, and, and for which we uh, have been granted newness of life in the resurrection. Working diligently and patiently is, is not, the, not the issue. It's really about the motivation behind it. All right, let's look at Proverbs 16.8 and see how righteous work glorifies the Lord and all that it serves. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Again, what's being pointed to here is what is the governing principle for the work that you do? If the governing principle is how much money can I make? How fast can I make it? Um, what, what corners do I have to cut? And, and if your ideology is, look, I'm only doing that for a season, and then I'm going to, you know, once I make a certain amount, once I get to a certain place, then I'll focus on discipleship. Well, what's the problem with that? Well, the problem is that everything is discipleship, actually, right? When we talk about nothing being neutral, that everything is, is either discipling you in Christ or discipling you in the principalities and powers of darkness, you can't say, you can't put your discipleship, your worship, uh, your work for God on hold and do these other things in the world. That is a dangerous proposition because you, uh, in fact, I think Jesus says it to the man who says, look, I'm going to store all this stuff, all this grain in silos. And he says, fool, you will lose your life this night. Again, he's evidencing the heart of that individual who is wanting to store all this stuff up and thinks he can control time and thinks he can decide when he will turn and serve the Lord. That is, that's, that is not a, a good uh, gamble for us to try. And so what we see here is that the overarching principle cannot be how much you can make and where you can get to. It has to be the characteristics that we've been hearing about that we're being formed uh, by Proverbs in. Justice, righteousness, and equity. Here, we see righteousness mentioned and then justice in, in the uh, negative. It says uh, that if you gain a bunch with injustice, that's not a good thing. And so inherent within this are those three things that we are to be shaped in and to grow in, and our work should be governed by. So as we do the work that the Lord has gifted and called us to, we need to ask, how, Lord, do I do this in a way that evidences the righteousness of Christ? And you, you can't ask that just one time. It's something that has to be 
part of your praying and desiring to be discipled in the work that you've been called to, that you've been gifted to do, that you get to use to display uh, the, the, the character and glory of God for the life of the world. And we have to ask, Lord, what are the ways in which the work that I do, it actually promotes your justice, not the justice of the world, which is, which is oftentimes not near just enough. Uh, and, and so we need to ask and be willing to not hide behind, well, you know, if my boss tells me to do it, I don't have any choice. If it's just part, if it's part of the, what the company does, I can't help it if it's unjust. You know, I, I got to submit. That's actually untrue. You, you don't have to submit to where things are patently unbiblical. And you have to trust the Lord to provide for you if you are to take a stand and potentially lose your job. All throughout Scripture, people lost their jobs, lost their lives, lost their land, uh, standing up for uh, the, the things of Scripture, actually standing up for the person and work of Christ. Notice I didn't say standing up for their rights to live a certain way. That's not what we are to use these things for. And so you also have to ask, is, is my work equitable? Does it allow those that I work with, those that we serve, to, to receive in such a way that doesn't indicate that one group of people is better than another? That one gets a bit tricky, doesn't it? Because we have a history in this regard all throughout our country in many forms and shapes and fashions. And in fact, the concern is the pendulum may swing back the other way in some respects as uh, an attempt at justice. And so we need to recognize and stand up for true equitability because it is the very heart of God that no group of people could say we are better than you, more deserving of salvation than you. Notice that was frequently the problem that God's people got themselves into. They were constantly wanting to be able to say, we are the only ones, we are the best ones. Jesus even had to deal with this with his disciples. Remember, they came to him and they said, Jesus, there's a bunch of people running around doing stuff in your name. Uh, we don't like it. And we don't think they're doing it right. Remember what Jesus said. He said, look, if they're doing it in my name, that's a good thing. That, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing at all. Paul even had to deal with this when people were uh, uh, denouncing his apostleship because he was in prison. He still wanted the gospel to go forward, and he wasn't concerned at all with getting tangled up in what people thought about him. He was quick to, to push back against it for the sake of those that he loved and that he thought were being carried away by it. But he wasn't concerned with it in terms of making sure the world knew and that those people would shut their mouths. Instead, he recognized that oftentimes, even though they meant evil, God would use it for good in some way, form, or fashion as they went forward. And so we need to recognize that Paul also deals with it in Romans when, when the Jews and the Gentiles are, are tearing at each other from within the same church. One group saying they're better than the other because of varying circumstances. He takes an entire letter to unpack while that, why that cannot be true under any circumstance. And so it's important for us that as we think about equitability, and it may be that you discover something, does that mean you got to go in and quit on Monday? Well, no, I don't think it means that. I think what it does mean is for, for you to think through, how am I going to help work 
toward a greater equitability within the, the, the job that I work, if that's possible. And maybe you have to, to be diligent and do it little by little. Maybe the Lord calls you to something more uh, uh, radical and straightforward. This is why it must be bathed in prayer. You should probably seek wise counsel about these things. But we as Christians should be defined by these things. If you're a business owner, this is an area that's actually a, a pretty easy place to fix, a quick fix that you, you can, uh, uh, I say quick fix. There may be some things that you have to, processes you have to go through to figure that out, but this should be our heart that we recognize that it's only when we are righteous as Jesus was righteous, where we are just as God has been just, where we are equitable as the Holy Spirit has evidenced equitability. It's only when we do those things that we actually display the person and work of Christ, the character of God, and that has eternal implications. Those must be the governing principles for us as we seek to serve those we work for, those we serve, those we work with, and it matters to us. It actually means that you're being selfish in a healthy way. To want to work in a way that's righteous, just, and equitable actually means that you care about you and your family because you know that God will bless that, not with riches in the earthly sense only, but with the provision that you need, and even more important, the opportunity to taste and see how good He really is. And so listen to what Kenneth Aiken says about this passage. He says, While Israel's sages were sure that wealth was a fruit of wisdom, they were equally sure that not all wealth was wisdom's fruit. Wealth married to wisdom made a happy couple, but wealth divorced from wisdom made an unhappy bachelor. Indeed, an ill-begotten and ill-fated one. So how a man acquires his wealth has to be weighed on the scales of wisdom's balances to assess its real value, asset or liability. And this is the, the truth of what we're called to in terms of wise working. We are to assess is what we're doing, how we're doing it, when we're doing it, an asset or a liability, not for us only, but for the glory of God and for the love of my neighbor. Again, the righteousness, justice, and equity being a helpful rubric for us to look at those things through. So the questions that I have for us is, have you taken the time to identify the aspects of your work that prove most tempting to you to cut corners or to gain unjustly? Have you considered where, where your work is, lacks equitability? If you haven't, how will you know to mortify those things? And again, it's not something you can ask just one time. This needs to be part of our ongoing worship and discipleship. Because we spend, think of how much time we spend our lives doing the work that the Lord has gifted and called us to. We probably spend more time in and around that than we do any other aspect of our lives. And to not submit it to the mortification and the vivification of things uh, that the Lord has called us to is really unwise. That we would think that that's our realm and that God has no say there, or that that is our realm, and that God has no wisdom there is foolish. But a better question is, have you established what righteousness, justice, and equity looks like in the work that God has gifted you in and provided for you? See, that's the vivification part. 
Where can you make beautiful and vivid and known the righteousness of Christ and how you do what you do? The justice of God and how you do what you do. The equitability and the Holy Spirit and how you do what you do. What a gift these things are. They are eternal in value. So Proverbs 10, 4, 13, 11, and 16, 8 teaches us that wise work is defined by diligence and patience for the glory of God and righteous conduct and practices for the good of those worked for and served. Christ Community Church, we need to be a people who recognize our witness in the world, as we've said here many times. You are always witnessing with how you do what you do. It's not only when you share the gospel specifically. This is why we don't see evangelism as an entirely separate topic. No, it is the golden thread that runs through everything we do. We are always witnessing. We are always being formed. We are always involved in discipleship. The question is, what is your intentionality? What is your focus? What are you mortifying? What are you vivifying? So would you join me in recognizing that work is good? And the Lord has given it to us, and it's a way in which we get to display His character in a unique way for the life of the world. So let us be a people who are intentional about that, who are thoughtful about that, who are eternally focused about that. Let's pray. Father, thank You that You have given us good work, that our work in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit is not left merely to futility. It is not... Uh, uh, worthless or meaningless, although many jobs can feel like it. They can feel repetitive and that they don't, they don't have any real meaning at all, but, but people are watching. We're serving somebody in some way. And so help us to see, help us to, to, to recognize where we need to mortify the ways in which we are slack or we are hasty, not being careful to do a good job, uh, where, where we are um, seeking gain through injustice and choosing to ignore where there is a lack of equitability. God, help us to have the courage because we are forgiven in Christ to give those things up. Help us to have a holy boldness in the power of the Holy Spirit to vivify righteous justice and equity as displayed in our diligence and our patience and our willingness to gain little by little according to your will, according to your directive, according to your timing, according to your wisdom. Help us, Lord, to be those who work wisely so as to glorify you and to love our neighbors. In Christ's name, amen.